Hey there, you're listening to Past to Present, a social studies podcast by educators for you. We'll take a look at the middle school social studies standards taught in the state of Texas. Together, let's clarify some key concepts in history and think of ways to help students relate history to their everyday life. Here we are. It's the end of season one. Last episode. Is that weird, right? Season, season one? one? I don't know. Did we did we decide we're going to have seasons? I guess we're going to have seasons. You just said we're <laughs> going to have seasons. So end of year one. Yeah, we, we kind of fell short. We're not going to get to reconstruction. Life got in the way. Yeah, we missed a lot. We kind of put road to Civil War and Civil War together. Yeah. Almost. I don't think that really counted. We'll make it up for next year. We missed a lot of stuff. But it's a lot to cover. I mean, we're not Dan here. Dan, Shout Car- out. she's talking about Dan Carlin, by the way. We were just talking about another guy that podcasts named Dan Carlin, who spends an hour and a half talking about his topic per episode, which is great. But hour and a half—that's on the short end. I know like it's the, too much. They're like eight hours. It's too much. It's a life commitment. It really is. <laughs> so we um, we're trying to figure. out... We're kind of wrapping up the year and kind of talking about a few things. Um, so just bear with us, and we'll kind of give you some direction on where we think we're going to go with next year. And Yeah, I mean, we didn't really have a plan for this episode, but we wanted to have a final, like, closing episode for yeah. the year. Um, like, the last month just got in the way of us getting together and doing our what we wanted to do, so... Well, I, I got to coaching, and then... Yeah, how was soccer, by the way? Well, our eighth grade team ended up being the district champs for Look our group. Look at that. I know, right? It's all coaching right there. All coaching. It's not the, the kids at all, right? <laughs> they have zero talent <laughs> other than what you have provided them. No, they're actually amazing, both teams. Yeah. Um, and then just star. Star. Holy guacamole. So that kind of delves right – that kind of connects us right into what yeah. we're first going to talk about. So if you're not from the state of Texas, you don't have to deal with the star – you might have your own – I'm sure every state has their own version of standardized testing. But if you are from the state of Texas, then at the beginning of the this year, you know that they pushed STAR back. What, a week? Well, it's been the past two years, right? It's been – well, it's been pushed back. But this year, they pushed it back even further. Okay. They pushed it back a week because it was supposed to be last week, but now it's May 16th. That's when we're recording this episode right now. Actually, the day of the 8th grade, grade star. social studies star. That's right. And we're obviously it. not going to talk about that. Yeah, but... Because we I don't mean, know anything. The kids did awesome, but... Of course they did. Um, I mean, let's just cross our fingers. Hopefully we get scores back in June. But I don't know. So this year they were talking about, like, they did move the test back. And I was really excited about that at first because I was like, yes, I can actually teach reconstruction and... And we can review, and now we're here, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're so tired. The kids are tired. Oh they were done. Oh, my gosh, they're so tired. Plus, this is the last star test they take. Yeah. Um, I, I could tell they were exhausted, they and they were, were just. They were so tired. I mean, they, they showed up, and they tried, but, like, the last two weeks I've been, like, dragging them, mm-hmm. metaphorically, obviously, but I'm like, come on, guys, and they just look at me like, with hatred in their eyes. Not because they actually <laughs> hate me, but because they're like, Miss Steven, stop making us do work. Well, they're done. Yeah. They're I done. mean, they think they're in high school. Well, and they know that the test doesn't have to be passed. They sure do. I tell them. Yeah. And I mean, so they're just... They ask me. I'm not going to lie to them. Well, they'll find out anyway. Yeah, but it's all about how you tell them. All right. Because when I tell them, I'm like, look, the test... First of all, I'm really positive about standardized testing because... 
if you can't change it, you might as well join it, right? right? And I think that there is some value in standardized testing. And I tell kids all the time, like, before the start, I know what it was like because I took tax. And not all my teachers, about half of them, half my social studies teachers did nothing. You took tax? I took tax. Oh, my goodness. I know. I'm young. <laughs> but I still have wrinkles, so don't feel bad. Anyway, so I took tax, and, like, that test was so easy you could pass it in your sleep. It really was a pretty easy test. Yeah, I think it it served it. I mean, it had a it had its niche. Group. Well, I, I'm not. I wasn't an expert on it. I just took the test, right? Yeah. Like I wasn't on the teacher side of it. And I feel like as a teacher, we know a lot more about the test than the students do. But it was an easy test. Like, what did Abraham Lincoln do? You know, it, a basic level stuff. Right. Well, I tell my students all the time. I'm like, look, the star is about is a celebration of how hard you've worked this year, and it's to show the state and everyone that the teachers at your campus are doing a really rock star job and you want to do your very best to show that you're actually getting the quality education that you deserve you know that i'm not just sitting here with my feet up clicking a powerpoint saying next copy the slide you know so it's a celebration of their learning yeah i thought you weren't going to lie to them I'm not. It is a celebration of their learning because you better believe I celebrate when I get those right. scores in. Right. I can't celebrate as much this year because I'm pregnant, but usually I celebrate. Oh, I got you. And I'm like yeah. really excited and I'm proud of what they did. And I tell them all the time, like, too, that as long as they can look me in the eyes and tell me that they did their best, then I don't care if they made a 30 on it. I just want them to have good character and to be able to persevere through something that's difficult for them. So what did you do to prepare your kids for STAR, other than the whole year long having the best first teach you possibly could? Yeah. What was um, your review stuff? Well, we did about two weeks of review, I guess, and we break it down. But a lot of campuses that I've spoken with do it by era. Right. Like they start and they go in colonization. And we did a little bit more of that this year than we have in the past, but we did it by data. So we pulled last year's STAR data. And then we focused on Jackson because that's where we perform low. I think that's where everybody performs low, by the way. It's a hard unit. Like, the, Jackson's just tough, and we teach him in a week. Well, and it's a lot of stuff. Yeah. And it's, when you're talking about tariffs, when you're talking about nullification, it's things that are kind of abstract to the kids. And sorry, but the past questions on yeah. over Jackson are nitpicky. Last year, they had a question on the star about Jackson creating the Democratic Party. Yeah. And it's just really specific, which is great. I mean, challenge me. Don't don't get me wrong. Like, I love the fact that the test is hard because if it was easy, it would be a waste of my time, right? But it's just frustrating because I feel like I can never pin it down. One year they put that on there, and then I teach that, and I forget something else, and they put something else on there. So, you know, it's just not enough time. And sometimes the questions get very precise on those what are those called supporting standards i'm using yeah. air quotes here but they get super precise considering that this is what like an overview course of american history yeah it's a survey yeah well it, it is um i do often feel like the what's the the fable of the little dutch boy who puts his finger in the you know the dike springs a leak and he sticks his finger into one hole and then never heard this fable really and then another hole but pops out and he's, I, and he's reaching around trying you're you're always trying to think ahead and you can there's so much information the kids yeah. have to know. And then the wording sometimes gets a little... And then I'm like, is this a vocabulary test yeah. or a social studies test? Because I can't figure that out. One year they asked Jackson and they, they used the word evict. 
And you might think that some students would know what evict means, but no. Lo and behold, they don't. And so now when I teach vocabulary, sometimes we do vocabulary word clouds where the kids, like I give them a word like remove and we play a game where they try to find as many synonyms as they can to match that. And it really does help. But anyway, so we focused on colonization and Jackson and key documents okay. as our three days of like zoned in error review. We do a whole bunch of advisory, which is like our homeroom class tutorials, a ton of like nine weeks of advisory tutorials. It's like a whole campus all on board. My Every teacher in my department, shout out, does advisory group tutorials. So do you target specific kids like, um, you know, the kids yeah. who are on the borderline of passing yeah. and the kids who are borderline so mastery? We pull a quintile report, which basically is a report of all their data from the whole year on every test that we take in social studies. And then we find the kids and we group them. And then we give targeted lessons based on their needs. Right. Um, and it's really hard because it's a lot of lessons and it has got to be specific and it's got to be engaging because it's at the end of the day. And they're with the teacher that they don't normally see. Well, and the issue too that we found is when you're making these new reviews or whatnot, you're kind of frustrated because you've done it such a, a lot of work on the first teach mm-hmm. and now you got to come up with something to make up for what the first teach apparently didn't do and which is hard which is hard and then you're going well why am i not using this as a first teach next time i mean it, it's it's a challenge yeah so do you have any specific um like activities the kids were doing so we do we, aside from those three days we do um like whole error review okay like whole year and we just throw all the information at them and our goal is to get them to sort figure out where it goes identify it look at eras like we do a lot of work on identifying eras and labeling questions and stuff we did a couple of games that i thought were really good that i want to share the first was um i found on twitter stephanie conklin i think that's how you say her last mm-hmm. name um she tagged me on a post i think it was her that tagged me on, it had to been it her. was a jenga post about this guy who was using jenga to teach his kids about a book and i was like oh that would be really fun for star review So what we did is we had two Jengas in the center of the room. And one Jenga I had gone through and every block had a different number on it. Okay. And the other, every block had a different colored dot. So it was like red, yellow, green, blue. So the kids were split into teams. And they had to go to the center table, pull a block from each Jenga, go back to their table, and they had to go to that number. Like let's say they pulled 44 red. They had to do the strategy that I had assigned to that color for that question number. So what strategies did you have? So I had like highlight and define four key terms in the question, in in the stimulus, in the answer choices, whatever, the whole question. Then I had um, brain dump, everything, three things that you can remember. And then I had identify the era. Okay. And then blue was um, go straight to the answer. And what we discussed at the end of the game was that you did the other three strategies to figure out blue anyway. And they were like, blue was the hardest one because we had to do all of the strategies to figure out blue. (laughs) Whereas when I went to them and they had done red and I was about to give them their token for completing, then I was like, oh, what's the answer? And they could easily tell me. Right. So the way that it works is each team has a bucket on their table. And when they call me over, they show me this was our question. This was our strategy. I look at it. I say, great job, and I give them a token that I, like, bought these little gold tokens off Amazon. 
And if they're working as a team, if everybody's engaged, I'll just throw in a couple extra tokens. I'm like the token fairy walking around. And then they have to go back to the Jenga, put the blocks back on the, the Jenga at the top, and then they have to pull two new ones. If you make the Jenga fall, your team loses all of your tokens and you have to rebuild that Jenga and then you go back to work. So everybody else, when the Jenga falls, they're like all going and grabbing pieces and trying. It's really fun. It That's was awesome. super, super fun. Because when I, and, and basically, I forgot to say this, but every team got a, a copy of last year's star. Okay. So I told them, we're going to basically take last year's star today. And of course, what do you think they all do? Oh, man. You told us you weren't going to make us take a practice star. Because I think taking practice stars is the biggest waste of time ever, in my opinion. That's just me. Okay. And so I said, oh, we're, we're going to take a practice star, but we're going to do it this way. And they thought that I was like the coolest teacher ever. Right. It was great. That's awesome. So there's another one that we had heard about where you take old star questions and you cut them up mm-hmm. into strips. And you, well, first of all, you print them on different color paper. So like um, you can do Every one, team has a different color. Every team has a different color. And you can use multiple star questions from different years or whatnot. And so, like, if your team, you have all red, mine are all green, and another team's all mm-hmm, yellow. Mm-hmm. Whenever your team comes up with a question and you think you've got an answer, one of you comes up to the teacher and says, I have the, the red test, question number two is the answer, da, da, da. And if I say yes, that is the correct answer, then you take that strip and you give it to another team. You get to dump it on them. You get to dump it on them. That's fun. So, like, for your GT kids, they really, and, and all kids, but specifically your GT kids, like the strategy portion of it where they're trying to, set up other teams and mess with each other Mm -hmm. and it's just a quick one and they're highly engaged because i don't know about you but a lot of our kids are over kahoot they're over Mm -hmm. quizzes Mm -hmm. um and you're doing the same thing just doing it a little differently yeah and it's a short it's easy setup too we did that with like a heads up game okay because we didn't print enough cards okay so we did like an early republic review with a heads up you know, where they yeah. just hold the card. And so we didn't have enough cards for all the groups, and we didn't want to print any more cards and cut them anymore. So we were like, oh, let's do that. So each team started with, like, five cards, and then they just went and dumped them on each other. Okay. So it was pretty – that was a pretty good one. Other one that I do is stations review. And I've put a lot of work into this over the last several years to build it up. But basically, I have, like, seven different stations, and they're all old-school board games. So I have Guess Who – which is all the people that we, not all of them, but the major people. Right. And I have the um, PDF to that. So if that's something that you want, just sh- uh, reach out to me and I'll um, send it to you. But you just buy the Guess Who game on you on uh, YouTube. Amazon. <laughs> on Amazon. And then they play Guess Who, and it's super fun. Um, this year we did Scategories, which was a really cool idea. That was my teaching partner, Emily Zotika's idea. But the kids roll a letter die. And whatever letter it lands on, they have to list everything they can remember with that letter. So, like, if it's H, they write everything that they can remember with H. And then um, they share out what they all got. And if anybody else at the table got it, they have to eliminate it. And whoever has the most at the end wins. Um, And then we do Don't Break the Ice. And it's just trivia questions where they have to, like, play that. And then Jenga trivia questions again. They do... um, Taboo and Pictionary with vocabulary. So it's just a bunch of different games, but it's highly engaging for the kids. Yeah. Well, we as a district have a bunch of activities for like comparing the Declaration and the Constitution because kids always get that and confused. The grievances and yeah. a lot of card sorts, like anything that's yeah. active and having them moving. Because anytime when we're doing them, we want, we want them to write as little as possible. Mm-hmm. 
because they're done. Yeah. And so trying to keep them moving and things like that um, has really helped us. Yeah. Super fun. I think that's a that's a good overview. I think that's enough on the star. Sounds good. I like it. For somebody that likes to celebrate learning with the star. I, I do. <laughs> that, hey, every test that we take is a celebration of learning. And that's why I tell my kids, like, hey, two things. Number one, if you score 30, that means you've learned 30% of the material. Props to you. That's better than 0%. It means you've actually learned something. And, um, you know, also, like, it's not just on them. Right. I tell them that all the time. Like, it's not just on you to pass this test. If you don't, if you aren't successful on the test as you wanted to be, whatever score that might be for you, that's also on me because mm-hmm. I'm accountable for your learning as well. And I think that that really holds value with kids. Well, and, and no, we kind of talked about this earlier. Never try to convince your kids that the test counts or that they have to pass it because they're going to find out. Yeah. They already know. The, and the um, counselors sometimes tell them. Well, or other, Mine teach, didn't, other teachers tell them. It, yeah. And it's fine. It's okay. I mean, that's just the way the world is. Um, just try to, hopefully you've got the relationship with the kids. And you're not going to have it with all of them. But hopefully you have a relationship with the kids. that go, hey, I just need, just do the best you can. Just show yeah. what you know. And, um, you know, to give us good feedback. And yeah. I know that sounds corny. I don't know that it, that's what convinced my kids. But I felt like they always did I feel like best. having a relationship with your kids is what gets them to pass the test. Yeah. Like building rapport, whether they whether it counts for them or not, that's right. the number one way to get kids to care about the test. Right, is to number one set them up to where it should be easy for them, because you have prepared them. Right, and then number two, you you look skeptical on that one. No, but, it's just I'm always and then build a re- relationship with them. Without, like, you know, we always tell the kids we can't talk about it. But what's the first thing they always want to do? They want to come back, and go, coach or miss. I didn't know anything on that test. Yeah. You're like, stop. Yeah. First of all, we can't don't, talk don't about it. Me. But second of all, you know more than you think you, you do. You know more than you think you and do. And they just are so hard on themselves. Yeah. They really are. But so, um, kind of next year with this podcast, we're we're talking about maybe covering the things that we didn't cover this year, <laughs> um, and maybe you know look at specific takes, but also maybe approaching things from like a strategy standpoint. Mm-hmm. Like, what are some strategies we can use for different units? Um, we've talked about looking at different themes in U.S. history. Yeah, I think that one would be fun. Right. I think that has a lot of possibility. We kind of got the guy, idea from the uh, the guys in Denton who teach their whole year thematically. What Tyler. What's his name? Was his name Tyler? <laughs> we probably should have re- referenced this before. Yeah. we. Uh, but anyway. Um, we saw him at TCSS. Right. And they presented. It was a pretty cool over, idea. Over like teach. Basically, they teach eighth grade social studies by theme. Instead of chrono- uh, chronological. Yeah, and. I mean, we we use five E's, right. so which is, by the way, another podcast we're going to do. Yeah, and it's thematic. I mean, that's it's a theme based learning. But we do it in a chronological order, right? So, as as I move more and more towards five E, the first thing that I have to identify when I'm creating the five E unit is what what's the big picture here? What's the the relevancy? Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, it's always a theme, um, and well, so I think that that would be a fun way to kind of approach it. Well, and I think we've, we, if, if anybody's listened to all of our episodes, one thing we talk about probably in every episode is relevancy. Yeah. How to make it relevant. Always. So what are some themes that you are, we're kind of bouncing around? We kind of bounced around the idea of movement. Mm, Like migration. Yeah. Power. uh, Conflict. Mm, That one's fun. Compromise. Maybe liberty and oppression. I don't know if that's one or two podcasts. 
I like uh, how that's contrasted there. And we're trying to find one somewhere in there with like growth and imperialism and conquering, and we can't find a good word that goes with yeah. that. Because it's not just migration. Right. Like, it's that eagerness to control something. I mean, I guess we could probably just call the whole thing manifest destiny is what we're really talking about. I mean, colonization. Well, that's manifest destiny too, right? Yeah, I guess. But manifest destiny, you, but manifest destiny is a specific belief about America. But it's kind of the idea of, because like, because with that, like conquering, you can talk about Spanish conquistadors and link it back to Texas history and... I mean, there's a lot you can do with that. A lot of stuff we can do with that. Um, kind of talking about how PLCs are structured. Yeah. I like know that's what a, our experience with PLCs have been. A big push. That, that's, I know that's uh, kind of a big thing around the, the education world right now. Mm-hmm. Um, five E's, obviously. Um, we've presented on that a couple of times. Yeah, um, that's my baby, five E's. That is your baby. Hey, we got to present at SFA, right? That's right. That was, that was pretty was cool. so fun. I, it's different, though, teaching presenting to, like, kids who aren't actually teachers yet they were so young they were so green they were excited though well the second group was really excited the first yeah, group the first group was just like well it was the, there were theater students in there and yeah. there were um art students in there and a they, few social studies they had P. flashbacks of like <laughs> terrible experiences from social studies but we made it good i mean it was it was really fun and then some strategies possibly like for test taking and analysis of primary sources because um one thing we noticed that on the star is they're heading to more and more primary sources. Yeah, for sure. And it's so hard for our kids with primary sources because basically the hardest English that the kids have to read is the very first English that they have to it's read. It's ridiculous. And social. And the other thing about it is like how we don't have enough resources. Like as a teacher, the amount of time that I spend dedicated to finding quality primary resources that are on level that are related to the teaks. I mean, it's just so much digging. Yeah. I mean, it would be so great if I just had a, the click of everything and just could find like 50 primary resources. And don't tweet me and say Library of Congress <laughs> because that thing is the most difficult thing to navigate <laughs> in the world. I love the Library of Congress, don't get me it's wrong. It's hard to use. But it's not user-friendly and the keyword search is terrible. So if you have anything that's like ready-made, like. We can search by eras. Yeah, or by, like, category. Like, even if, if we make, like, a Google Doc, I don't know. This is kind of my summer goal, mm-hmm. and I just roped Kevin into doing it with me, which is what how I Basically, everything, everything works. <laughs> <laughs> but I just thought maybe, like, if we make a Google Doc for colonization and we just have a bunch of different primary resources on there, and then we just kind of build it that way. Tweet at us if you have anything already If you made. have something, that would be, be awesome. Awesome. We promise to share back. Um. So that's kind of where we're thinking, but um, we're still formulating where we're going to go with this. It's going to be harder because I'm going back into the classroom. You're already uh, making excuses. No, I'm not making excuses. <laughs> I'm just... Uh, I'm not going to have any time. <laughs> I've been in the classroom all year, but I will say usually you drive over here to me, so I do yeah, appreciate that. In the middle of the day. Because we, if you don't know this already, most of you don't, we work on opposite ends of the district. So our campuses next year will be the, complete the furthest... Opposite. A part that they can possibly be because you live i mean you basically work in the northeast quadrant of katie and i will be in the southwest quadrant i mean yeah. as far southwest as and you can katie's go huge so it's probably a good 45 minute drive it's gonna be there yeah, yeah. so <laughs> we're gonna work on that yeah we um, need a common meeting ground so for people who are new to social studies or thinking for like over the summer i always talk to teachers about just get out and read try to read two books yeah well, first of all, that was really the intention of this podcast. Right. Was our goal was really, it's it's hard as a, as a first-year teacher. 
to get all this in. So, you know, our goal for this was to really cater to first-year teachers. Right. Um, so some things that we recommend reading, which this is really Kevin's alley. I'm not as big of a reader as he is. I'm a listener. I'm an auditory learner. Well, so I've told you I'm trying to read more by, I was subscribed to Audible. Yeah. Um, just because I don't read as much as I should. Yeah. Um, but so the first one, if like you're brand new to U.S. history, the one that I can think is probably the easiest read that will have a big impact is 1776 by David McCullough. It's a good read. If you, um, have, if you have a history degree and you didn't read it in college, that's really shocking to me. Or you're just old and it wasn't out in that time. That's true. <laughs> but if it's your first time teaching and you're, you know what, everybody's got a different experience. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a good, it's only about the year 1776, which a few things happened in there that are a big deal. Um, just a couple. And it's just good to get context and have those side stories. That's why I, I like books. Is, and podcasts, and we're going to talk about those as well. It's just it gives you those little nuggets of stories that you can tell kids that really do hook them sometimes. Yeah, and gives them context. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one was one that was on your list. So I'm reading right now "Empire of Liberty" by Gordon Wood, and it's all about the early Republic era because you know that's my forte. I love Constitution. Is and that early the most Republic. important unit? It's the most <laughs> fun and most important unit. No, um, it's it's really good, and the writing is pretty easy to read. I told you this, Kevin, but I am not like I hate reading expository. I don't know why. I I love reading history stuff, but I don't. I just struggle to. It struggles to hold my attention when That's, expository it's dry. is fa- is fancy for nonfiction, right? I mean, <laughs> I guess it's the it's the writing version of yeah. non of nonfiction, but I struggle sometimes with that side of it. Um, so when I read a book, it has to be like the writing still has to be really good. It can't just be like a history professor who's just putting facts on a page. So Empire of Liberty so far is a really good read. And that's by, you said Gordon Wood. Gordon Wood. And And then the other one that I love, this is seriously one of my favorite books. Um, I started reading it when I first started teaching is The Intimate Lives of the Founding Fathers by Thomas Fleming. And um, this book is fantastic. It goes through uh, the, f- the five founding fathers. Is it five of them? I can't remember. But it talks about Benjamin Franklin and his personal life. And it talks about Washington. And it focuses less on, like, the politics of it all and more on who they were as people yeah. and how they dealt with relationships and what all was going on in their lives. It's got Hamilton and Jefferson and all that um, and Adams. And it, it helped me make these guys real characters for my students. It helped me be able to portray, like, what their personalities were like and what emotional states they were in. And I really enjoy that because so many times we just focus on the politics. But I think it's hard to understand Jefferson as a politician if you don't understand Jefferson and all his emotional th- – that's what motivates people, right? Right. So it's a really good read. When it, it's good for the kids to see that these people are just people. Yeah. And especially with a lot of the, you know, the big thing with um, kind of looking back today and, and measuring things by today's standards. Yeah. It kind of gives them a little bit of a context on that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I like, it's definitely not a book for kids. It's a book for an adult. Yeah, and all yeah, these are for teachers. Yeah, for sure. Um, Founding Brothers by Joseph Ellis is a really good one. It's kind of that early Republic era, and it talks about a few things. It talks about, like, the duel between Burr and Hamilton. It talks about um, Hamilton and Jefferson talking about the national debt. and it, It's just a, it, it's a good story. They're short, kind of short stories. Mm-hmm. Um, 
easy to read again. The one that I'm reading right now, this is kind of people who've been doing this for a while, uh, is called An Artist in Treason by Andrew Linkletter. And it's about James Wilkinson, which mm. if you don't know anything about James Wilkinson, it's fascinating, uh, I guess, character, really, yeah. in American history. And he was uh, you know, in charge of the Army, but he was a, a double agent. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just a really good story. And it, it involves the Spanish. Like everybody knows about Benedict Arnold, but not... Wilkinson. Yeah. Which I mean Wilkinson Wilkinson had a was a protege of um Benedict Arnold. Mm-hmm. Um you know, you've got Aaron Burr involved. I'm about halfway through it and it is it is really it's a good it's it's an interesting story. Yeah. Um if you're looking for authors that are easy to read, I recommend H. W. Brands. He's got a book on the gold rush, um, on Jackson. They're they're easy reads. He's a really um kind of a popular uh, historian, if you would. But those, those are just, he has a writing style that makes it come alive. Nice. If you're reading a textbook for context as a first-year teacher, go with the History Alive textbooks if you can, if you can get it, your hands mm. on a copy of those. Reading those is like reading a novel. It's fantastically written. I try to use their excerpts as much as I can for kids. And by the way, if you're a first-year teacher and you're using Wikipedia, it's not a bad starting point. Um, I love Wikipedia. Yeah. Plus, at the bottom, all the links to their <laughs> yeah. resources are awesome. I actually had a college professor. This is a side note tangent. But I actually had a college professor who argued that Wikipedia was a fantastic resource because it's a compilation of brill- of different minds. And perspectives. And perspectives. Yeah. And what is better than um, – what's the word I'm thinking of? collaboration on a document versus just getting one person's opinion in a book you get an entire collaboration and people can add bits and pieces so he actually argued that it was really fantastic and that because it's open to editing people naturally check each other each other out and fact check and call each other out and delete stuff and add stuff it's it's a great starting point and it can you start to see the big picture sometimes with that stuff Mm -hmm. because the links are awesome provides pictures i mean it's great (laughs) it's great so um we're gonna get so much hit back for that but i don't think so i think we're kind of past the the online resources not being valuable yeah so this is kind of this is your wheelhouse this is my wheelhouse podcast i am a podcast junkie you are we both are but you definitely outpace me on this and i I feel like i listen to a lot of podcasts well i'm just waiting for my daughter to grow up because then podcasts are gonna be over right now her favorite is moana Mm-hmm. And we listen to Moana soundtrack about a million times, so it's cutting into my podcast time. Yeah, but you know, such is life. Well, but I think um, I annoy my friends when I say, "Hey, I was listening to this podcast." Oh, my students! <laughs> my students looked at me the other day because I said the exact. I said, "So I was listening to this podcast," and they looked at me like, "Oh, you say that every day." <laughs> I was like, dang. So what are some uh, podcasts that you would recommend for? We've, we've recommended Teaching Hard History, which is great for slavery and the issues that surrounding that. Yeah, you got me on hooked on mm-hmm. that one, and it was really good. Like I said, though, with some of these, you, it's going back into previous episodes. Like when you subscribe, don't just start where you are. So the, the first one that I loved and I really fell in love with is More Perfect, which is kind of an old podcast. Um, but it's about the Supreme Court, and so it goes through a whole bunch of Supreme Court cases. I absolutely love it. Um, but they did a series this season that I wasn't as fond of where they reached out to their listeners and had them create songs for the Bill of Rights. 
it wasn't as cool as it sounds. <laughs> so if you go to listen to More Perfect, go back into the archives and go start at like episode one and go um, binge through that. But that one is really, really good, and um, it gives you a lot of insight into the Supreme Court. The one that I like the most, and when you and I have kind of, as usual, uh, had discussions about it, is Revolutions. Yes. I like Mike Duncan. I do too. He's brilliant. He is brilliant. But it's so, uh, it's so good. Like when you go to teach articles in, of Confederation and all of that, you've got to go listen to Revolutions before you teach the American Revolution. Well, and, and episode, it's uh, season two, I think, is on mm-hmm, the American Revolution. You have to go way back in the archives. Well, I'm like you, scrolling for days. You got to get past the French Revolution, which was ridiculously long. Yeah. But um, it's 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 actually a really good resource for just. It's not super detailed, I think, mm-hmm. because he knew a lot of people knew a lot of stuff about it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're interested. The but it is detailed enough. Right. It's absolutely detailed Yeah. Enough. I mean, it, there's depth there. There's stuff that you're not going to teach your kids. Right. That's just good for you to know. And, and if you're looking for something a little bit on there, episode uh, season one is about the uh, English Revolution, which mm-hmm. kind of takes place during colonization. Uh, it's about Puritans and things like that. Cool. It's not a terrible... Uh, it can help out if you're if you've already done the season. Yeah, the one I would stay away from is the French Revolution because that thing. It's 58 episodes. Is it's it's a beast. Terrible. Um, I mean, it's good. Right. But it's too long. Right. I'm like a I, I'm I'm I need the flash and all the dazzle <laughs> and the, I need more than what he gives on that. So anyway, the one over the American Revolution is very good. I like that one. So there's two that are done by the same person, and she's actually a journalist from the Washington Post. Um, It's pretty good. Her voice kind of gets on my nerves. I mean, I like her. I'm sure somebody says the same things about me. But she grows on you, the the journalist does, like over time. But she does a really good job. And the first one that I really love is presidential. And it just basically goes through every president that we've had by episode and her question that motivates her throughout each one is what would they be like on a blind date and so it's not always like what were their politics and what was this but it's like fun interesting facts and like fiction like what was what's fake and what's real about these presidents um and some of those are really good for your kids to listen to but i will i would listen to them before you ever tell them tell your kids to listen to them because one of them I can't remember which president it was but she talks about him being like gay on there Buchanan probably yeah it was Buchanan and so you would need to proof some of them but if you teach high school it's a really good one for your students constitutional was the one that she did after presidential because presidential was so successful Um, and that's just goes she goes through the preamble by episode. So she starts with We the People and talks about what that means and then mm. goes through each part. And that one's pretty good, too. I, I really mean, like that one. You did like that one? Yeah. I liked Presidential better, personally, but I think that's just because I'm a people. Like, I like the, like the, the people. people side of everything. Um, and then you had two more, We the People and Civics 101. So We the People is by um, the National Constitution Center, which is run by Jeffrey Rosen. And that one is interesting um, because it's just constitutional debate so it's once a week and they have a topic and they have two scholars and that have different opposing opinions about this topic and they just discuss it sometimes it's a little dry sometimes it's hard to listen to but if you get a topic that you really enjoy it's very interesting um they did one over hate speech and i thought that that was interesting and um 
So yeah, that one's pretty good. Well, and then uh, Gilder Lehrman has a bunch of podcasts out there. A bunch over the presidents, over American history. I haven't been to any of theirs. They're kind of dry. They're more of like uh, something you might see on C-SPAN as far as those kind of conversations about it from a professor or somebody who has yeah. a book. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of good information yeah. if you're looking for Yale something. Courses has some good ones too. Like they have one over the American Revolution. That's really good as well by... Female, yeah. female professor, I can't remember her name right well, now. Well, and I think they're one of the first ones that went with, like, podcasting yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. that kind of stuff. And then the last one is Civics 101. Um, this one's really good. They've revamped it recently, and they did – they're doing more of a series style. Because before it used to be just, like, an interview with one specialist, and now they're making it more themed and music and all the bells and whistles. Um, the, they did a series starting in January over founding documents. Mm-hmm. It starts with Magna Carta and goes all the way through to the Bill of Rights and the Federalist Papers. Um, and then they also just did a second series that I liked over citizenship. And they basically talked about how the government interacts with you at every stage of your life. So birth, then school, then marriage, then jobs, and then death. Huh. It was really cool. This is a cool series. Do you know anybody they interviewed? I know a few really good scholars. Linda Monk is one of them. She um, is on there a lot with the Founding Document series. And, um, yeah, so it's it's a good podcast to listen to. And they may, they may hear a familiar voice on there, right? They could. They could? Maybe. Maybe. Anyway, so those are the podcasts That's that it. we like. Yeah. If you're, you know, over the summer, if you are missing us, you can just... If you're on vacation with your family and you're done with them and you needed a Put break. Those headphones in. <laughs> if you're a girl, you can hide your headphones. I learned this from my students. If you have those cordless ones, yeah. you just put your hair over it. Apparently that's a big issue going around right now. It's a real struggle. Yeah. I, it's not a problem for me because I just don't know that it's a problem. <laughs> you just ignore it. <laughs> I mean, it. How, what am I supposed to say? Put your hair behind your ears. Let me see. I'm not going to stress out about it like. They'll, they'll, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. I don't know. So, if you have any ideas, let yeah. us know. Please uh, tweet at us or email us. Do we have an email address? I don't know. I don't think we do. I think we do, but I don't think we ever use it or check it. Yeah. Twitter is be- best. De- definitely the best way to get in touch with us. Um, and we'll be at trainings this summer and planning and trying to figure out what we're going to do. and. Yeah, and if you listen, give us a shout-out on Twitter just to let us know that people are listening so yeah. that we have an idea of, you know, that we're actually, you know, using our time wisely. Our downloads are going up, right? They are. They are. No, they. I mean, it definitely is. And honestly, even if nobody listens to this, I always learn something when I sit here and talk through stuff with you. I feel like I grow every time, so. Yeah, I think we do a good job. All right. Well, y'all have a good summer. Happy summer, and thanks for listening to season one. Be looking for, uh, I guess, now, technically, Kevin, season two. I guess so. In August. See y'all later. Bye. Hey there, thanks for listening to our podcast. Join in the discussion on Twitter using the hashtag pasttopresentpod or tweet us at, at pasttopresentpod. That's past the number two present pod. If you have a minute, please consider helping other educators find our show 
by sharing our podcast on Twitter or giving us a review on iTunes or Podbean. Special thanks to all those who helped develop the content for today's episode. Audio mixing for this episode done by Lindsay Stevens and music credit to bensound.com. All thoughts and ideas expressed in today's episode are that of the hosts and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs of KDISD.